Good evening. It is wonderful to be back this evening to worship and to uh, share a little bit in God's Word. Uh, if you are visiting with us, uh, you are our VIPs, our very important persons, and we are just so thrilled uh, that you made it your way here to spend some time with us at the Westside Church of Christ this evening. Uh, if there is uh, one thing that we want to make sure you know, it is that we believe that the Bible is right. If we are going to make it from this life to the next, we're going to have to follow the roadmap that God has set forth for us in His Word. So we do believe that the Bible and every word of the Bible is right. I'm especially excited this evening because, as Connor mentioned, it is our missions month, and this evening we have an opportunity to uh, provide somewhat of a report on uh, what took place while we were in Zambia, while at the same time um, making way for some reflective thoughts about that. And so with that in mind, just to set the stage, our brother Derek worked his magic, and uh, he, he put together a wonderful video for us. So I'm going to start off with that video, and then uh, we'll kick off from there. <laughs> <laughs> my first time seeing that video. Derek, you did a fantastic job with that. So I appreciate you and the time that you spent to put that together. And uh, as I mentioned, it is our missions month. And it is certainly a, uh, a pleasure and a privilege to 
uh, be here with you just to share a little bit about what took place on the trip as well as sharing some reflective thoughts and uh, definitely just thankful for uh, our leadership for making some space for us to uh, share, uh, but then also just for supporting uh, the trip and supporting mission work uh, on all of the work that we do here at the West, West Side Congregation. And so I'm thankful uh, for them and for today uh, and for what took place over the last uh, couple of months. I'm sure that it is no surprise uh, to anyone that uh, is here uh, that Zambia is very different uh, from what many, if not most of us, are used to. Uh, life is different. Perspectives are different. Values can be different. Something uh, as simple as sharing a meal is viewed as sharing life in Zambia, in part because resources are so limited. Being in the bush is such a different experience, but I, I could not uh, help but to think about when Jesus says to go out into all the world in Mark chapter 16, uh, when he says to make disciples uh, of every nation as he does in Matthew 28. I could not help but to think as we are in Zambia, as we are in the bush, that Jesus knew that the effectiveness of the gospel it transfers across cultures. The power of the gospel is powerful here and in every land. We prepared for several months uh, for the trip that we went on. Thankful to Brian, I'm thankful to, to Josh, I'm thankful to, to Sandra and, and to Bryson because they took the time to ensure that we were prepared for the mission that we were going to go on and that mission was specifically and intentionally to teach the lost, sharing God's message to a lost and dying world, sharing God's love to people who needed to hear of God's love. The local congregations that were in the Mumena area are and continue to be very instrumental in coordinating a youth conference that brings in youth uh, uh, from the surrounding area. Uh, folks that are kind of in that preteen stage into early 20s, they bring them in for this conference uh, uh, to hear God's Word. I believe that there were some 400 students that showed up to hear God's Word, to hear of the love that God has for each of them. Young men, young ladies coming to hear and learn about the gospel of Christ. While we were out in Zambia, we shared lessons that were built around uh, God's desire to have a relationship with His people, with His, with His creation, and how that relationship is, is seen and felt and experienced through uh, a covenant. A covenant that God has had uh, from the beginning of his creation. And so we spent time talking about God's covenant promises, which ultimately helped our students learn and understand how the Bible emphasizes what a covenant is. And with that understanding, we walk through all of the, the different covenants that we can read about and learn about in Scripture, and all ultimately ending with the understanding that Jesus brings us into a better covenant with better promises. 
And so we spent time and we spent several days talking about this relationship that God wants to have with each and every one of us. And so for several days, there were men's classes and there were women's classes. We would teach during the day and then we would teach in the afternoon. We were able to talk about the goodness of God. And the thing is that it did not take much for us to have uh, these conversations and teach these lessons. It just took our Bible, our notes, uh, and perhaps some shade. It didn't take much. And so oftentimes folks would come in and they would bring in their chairs or they would even bring in a desk. And, and Josh and I were partnered as we were teaching and we found our place under a mango tree where we would be there for hours teaching God's word. Other classes that might have been in fields or other classes might have been just in another spot where they were able to block the sun, but it did not take much for God's word uh, to be planted and to take root. These are people here that just wanted to know more about God, wanted to know more about his goodness, know about how uh, they can step into a relationship with him. And I could not help but to be reminded during these moments and during these classes that there is a lost world out there and there are people that are desiring and are thirsting for God's word. There's something about teaching what you know to be true, teaching what you believe that helps to fortify and to solidify what we believe. There's something about taking the time to share your faith with someone else that helps to strengthen your faith. And I believe that our mission team experienced that. So we would teach in the morning. We would teach in the afternoon, and then uh, in the evening time, there would be more teaching. It was in the evening that we would gather around a bonfire where there was devotion and there were songs being sung, as you just heard, and we had another opportunity to share God's love for those that were in attendance. There was a hunger and there was a thirst for God's word, and that's exactly what we came to bring. Through the lessons that we were teaching, through the lessons that our team was sharing, it was just a short period of time that, that we were there. But even in that period of time that we were there, I am still processing how deeply relationships form how connected uh, we were able to be with those that were there. Students that came were, were sharing their stories, sharing their challenges, sharing their dreams, sharing their desires, all as we're talking and sharing in God's Word. The connections were deep, the connections were lasting, the connections go well beyond uh, the mission that we were on, that time that we were in Zambia. Without a doubt, they, they let us know that uh, they appreciated us being there, that there was an impact with our presence being there. 
I'm reminded of a young man by the name of Christopher that I met, connected with, shared with, prayed with. And in and, and one of our last nights there, he says that he wants to give me something. And, and mind you, there's not much to give. There's not much to give. And, and what he had to give and what he gave was, a, was just a small snack pack. Because there was, there was snacks and there was food that would be given. And he said, I want to give you something. I, I, I want to give you the snack pack. Why do you want I, No, you take it. But that's his, that was his way of showing appreciation. That was his way of, of just saying, thank you for being here. That's the impact that we were able to make as we are there, as we're studying, as we're connecting with all of the students that were there. Class after class, uh, we're teaching. We, are, uh, uh, we get to worship on Sunday morning. Sermon is preached. Invitation to step into the relationship that we have been talking about is given. And I remember it quite vividly. The invitation song is being sung. Second verse, the end of the second verse. I'm sitting there, I'm hoping, I'm praying that somebody would respond. Wondering if somebody's going to respond. And, and from across from where we were sitting, there were two young ladies at the end of the second verse, they get up and they come forward. Praise God, somebody is, is responding to the gospel. And as soon as they came forward, here come a, a waterfall of young people to obey the gospel, one by one, two by two, coming forward because they want to step into the covenant relationship that God has for them. They, st they stood up, they lined up to make their confession, lined up because they had the desire to obey the gospel. That morning, 42 had come forward to obey the gospel. We planted seeds, perhaps did a little bit of watering, but God had given the increase that morning. I was reminded of the power of the gospel in that moment. If we're not careful, we can, we can forget that the gospel is transformative. If we're not careful, we can, we, can, we can forget that there are people that are still needing and wanting to hear and obey the gospel. I needed to hear that. We needed to see that on that day. Talk about differences, though. So used to folks coming forward, giving their confession, and then we take them right back into get baptized. One, two, three, right? After folks came forward to get to some place where they could get baptized, it was about two miles. Two miles away. And there were only two trucks that were there. I don't know how Derek got to drive one, but there were only two trucks that were there. And so folks started walking down the road 
Others hopped onto the back of trucks. Why are they, why are they doing this? Because there are 42 folks that have just came forward to be baptized. And so you can see folks all down the roads to be baptized. And the, the video, I think, showed a better picture of it. But then we, we came to water, and folks are getting baptized two by two. Members being added. New creatures being created. New children that are a part of God's family being added to the church. There were 55 souls, as you saw on the slide, that were added to the body by the time the campaign was over. Uh, who knows how many more seeds were planted, but we had gotten word that there was somebody that was a, a, a member or a preacher of a Methodist church that went back and taught what he had now heard and learned, and then that congregation ended up obeying the gospel because of the work that God had going on during this campaign. The gospel was preached. God was glorified. In my notebook uh, on my way out, I wrote down that I felt God, I saw God, and I experienced God during this mission trip. With all that being said, I came back feeling tired but blessed. Uh, came back feeling excited and in awe by what we saw God do while we were in Zambia, how God used our team in Zambia. As I, I look back on all that took place, though, even now, as I reflect, I wish that I could say before the trip, I felt that way. Before going on the trip, I, I wish I could say that I was eager. I wish that I could say I was confident about the mission trip that we were about to participate in. I, I wish that I could say I was ready to boldly proclaim God's word uh, uh, on the trip that we were about to go on. Instead, I struggled. Instead, I felt feelings of uncertainty. I felt feelings of fear, of uneasiness, of doubt, all of which were overwhelming me before we went on this trip. If I'm honest about it, I had been running from this trip for the last couple of years. If I'm honest about it, I was starting to think about another excuse that I could make so that I didn't have to go on this trip again. That's if I'm honest about it. I just couldn't see myself going to an unfamiliar place. I just could not uh, see myself going all the way to Zambia on this type of mission trip. I just did not think I could do it. I thought surely there are plenty of people that are more qualified, that are more able. There are, there, there are, there are people that are better prepared to go on this type of trip than me. In a way, I related and connected to how Jeremiah felt in Jeremiah chapter 1. In Jeremiah, uh, we see and, and we learn that he was appointed and called by God to speak out or to cry out to the Jews. During a time when God's people were wrapped up in apostate, 
apostasy, during a time where uh, God's people were wrapped up in idolatry and all kinds of ungodliness, God calls Jeremiah to cry out to them. Bring them help bring them back to me. Help them to recognize their sinful condition. And it's at the beginning of Jeremiah in chapter 1, in verse number 4. The Bible says, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Verse 6, Then I said, Ah, Lord, God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. Verse 7 says, But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am only a youth, for to all to whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. God knew Jeremiah before Jeremiah knew himself. And God appointed or he called him to be a prophet and had called him to do a specific work. And what does Jeremiah say after God had called him, after God had appointed him? He essentially says, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know how to speak. Jeremiah's response showed his sense uh, of feeling unqualified. His response showed his, his feeling of being able to get the job done. He believed his age was a barrier. He didn't think that he could speak in a way that was going to compel people to, to come to God. Jeremiah believed that he was not qualified to do what God had called him to do. Just like God called Jeremiah, though, we must know that as Christians, God has a calling for us as well. That calling we can see, we can read, we can understand all through the Scriptures. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 9, he says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. 2 Timothy chapter 1, I believe in verses 9 and 10, it goes on to say that uh, God ha who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. Jeremiah, yes, he was appointed and called to speak God's word to Israel, but with our calling, we are called uh, uh, out of darkness. We are called to live holy lives. We are called to not be conformed, but to be transformed. We are called to share the gospel of Christ. That calling is when he says to go and make disciples of every nation in Matthew chapter 28. That call is when he says to go out into all the world and, and preach the gospel in Mark chapter 16. Our call today is based on what we find and what we read in Scripture. The question remains, how will we respond when we hear the call? If you're anything like me, you may find yourself having a Jeremiah moment. You hear, you recognize it, you acknowledge it, but in that moment, you feel uncertain. 
in that moment, perhaps you, you, you feel unqualified or perhaps you even experience fear. Fear to teach somebody the gospel. Fear to invite somebody to worship. Fear or uncertainty when it comes to going on a mission trip, stepping outside of my comfort zone uh, to expand the kingdom of God. It's in those moments that we've got to remember, we've got to embrace that God continues to use people that are unlikely, that are unqualified, and that are unexpected as he's done all throughout history. From Scripture, we can find example after example of people that God used who were unqualified, who were unlikely, and who were unexpected. Abraham was fearful and lied about Sarah being his wife in, in Genesis chapter 12, but God still used him. Moses was on the run for murder. David was the youngest of his brothers, and Scripture describes him as ready in 1 Samuel chapter 16, but God still appointed him to be king. Paul says that he was the least of the apostles, that he was unworthy in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 9. All individuals who were unlikely or who were unqualified or who were unexpected, but somehow, someway, in spite of their faults, God still used them. What's my point? My point is simply that God does not call the qualified, but God qualifies the call. God does not call any of us, anybody in here, because we're so good. God does not call any of us because we've got the resume, because we've got the background and the experience, and that's why he's going to call us to do something. No, he calls us because he's so good. And in spite of where I might fall short, God still can do great things with my imperfections. Our focus shouldn't be on all the reasons why we can't do the Lord's work, why we can't spread the gospel. Rather, our focus should be on God and simply responding to the call, knowing that God has done his best work, some of his best work with and through the unqualified the unlikely and the unexpected. I love that God decided to use and highlight who he chose to in Scripture because he could have used anybody else, but I believe he used and highlights who he does to show us that if he can use them, then he can use us. More notable than Jeremiah's initial response to God, his feeling and sense of uneasiness to God was God's response back to Jeremiah. In verse number 7, the Bible says, But the Lord spoke to me, still in Jeremiah chapter 1, But the Lord said to me, Do not say that I am only a youth. For to all to whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord, as Jeremiah is feeling uh, uh, this inability to move forward, a lack of confidence in this moment, God was the answer. God seemed to say, don't be afraid. Why? Because I am with you. And if I'm on your side, you don't have anything to worry about. So, Eve, so to Jeremiah, as well as to us, 
we've got to recognize and appreciate that if God is with us, who can be against us? Jeremiah can now do what seems to be over his pay grade, the seeming to do what is outside of his comfort zone because God is with him. In our feelings of inadequacy, in our feelings of unsureness or uneasiness, knowing God and being in his presence is our answer just as it was for Jeremiah. That principle, again, is repeated all through Scripture. Romans chapter 8, Matthew chapter 28. Matter of fact, as um, uh, God does give the, the great commission after he does so, he also says in verse number 20 that I am with you always. Not sending us out there by ourselves, but with him. We can respond confidently to the call from God, not because of who we are, but because of who God is and God being with us. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 and following, again, just this idea, this knowledge, this acknowledgement of knowing that God is with us. Knowing and appreciating that will have us doing things that we would have never imagined we would do. Have us going to places that we wouldn't have imagined that we would go. Stepping outside of our comfort zones to spread the kingdom of God and his message, all because he's with us. When we're trying to do God's will, when we're trying to respond to the call, we must know that God uh, will empower us to accomplish his purposes. So with that, I started off by sharing my feelings before the trip. And yes, there was fear. Yes, there was unworthiness. Yes, there was a, a, a lot of feelings that was uh, trying to get in the way of me going. But even more so, because we went, because our team was able to go, we experienced the power of God in spite of any excuse that we could come up with. His power being evident with seeds being planted and souls being saved. I share this simply because I want all of us to know that the decision to respond to God's call, the decision to respond to the work that God would have us to do, that's, e that's up to each and every one of us to make that decision. But we can look forward to depending on God, depending on his presence, on his power, when we do step forward to respond to that call. Knowing there is opportunity out there, knowing there are people thirsty and hungry for God's word out there, there just needs to be uh, his people, his children willing to go. And so a few thoughts as I close. Uh, if you are uh, curious to learn more about this particular mission trip. I know we've, that uh, Brian Davis has, one of our shepherds has some information here with him tonight. Uh, I'd encourage you to at least ask some, some questions and get a pamphlet just so that you can read up more about it. But even more so and most importantly, if you are here this evening and you have not obeyed the gospel, 
as we talk about there being a call from God, uh, there is a call for you. And that's the gospel call. And God wants to call you into a relationship with him. And so if you are here this evening and you have not uh, responded to that call, the beautiful thing is this, God makes it really easy to do so. All we've got to do is hear his word. We've got to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've got to believe it. We've got to, we've got to repent of our sin saying, hey, I don't want to live life uh, like the world anymore, but I want to be transformed and I want to live it like Christ. We've got to confess Jesus to be the son of God. And then with that confession, uh, you, we are called and commanded to be baptized in water for the remission of our sins. You go down a sinner, you come up a saint. You come up a new creature in Christ Jesus. You come up with new brothers and sisters in Christ. You come up with a new hope. And so if you're here this evening and you find yourself subject to that invitation, I would plead, I would beg that you would come. Or if you're here this evening and you just need prayer, the Bible teaches us that the prayers of the righteous availeth much. I would ask for you to come as well. So if you're here this evening and you find yourself subject to that invitation, I would ask that you would come after we stand and we sing.